Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a holistic business coach and intuitive healer who supports empaths in creating a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illness as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities that my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on their path to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as a highly sensitive person. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now let's get started. Welcome, and I just want to say I'm so honored and excited to have my guest on today. Her name is Rudrani Davy, and this woman knows a thing or two about overcoming obstacles. In 2008, she was on a retreat, a meditation retreat in Mumbai, India, when the unthinkable happened a devastating act of terror that involved 12 coordinated shooting and bombing attacks lasting four days across the city of Mumbai. This is now known as the 2008 Mumbai Massacre, or 2611. Rudrani was shot at point-blank range and witnessed horrors unfold around her. Over 150 people died in the city that day, and another 300 were wounded. Among other injuries, the shooting shattered her femur and required years of operations and physical therapy 
she was unsure if she would walk again. Rudrani began then a, a journey of healing, both physically and emotionally, and that eventually led her to run the Boston Marathon with the help of her trainer and sponsorship from Adidas, and really to embark on a mission to bring love and light into a dark world. world. So despite it all, Rudrani describes herself as a glass half full type of gal, and she just released her third book called Choosing Happiness, and that's really what we're going to be diving in today. More of her story, her personal experience of overcoming hardship, finding joy, and as she shares, I had survived the unsurvivable and had this intense desire to live my life to the fullest. So that's what today is all about, living life to the fullest and choosing happiness. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Rudrani. I am so excited to have you here today. And I'd love for you just to share some of the obstacles that you have overcome with the audience. Absolutely. And thank you for the invitation, Sarah. I'm delighted to be part of this conversation. So yeah, I, I could say that I have had quite a few obstacles to overcome throughout my life, even from childhood in the family that was uh, at many times a scary situation with an abusive father, mm. and then through my life. The, the, the story that most people know about uh, is the events that took place in Mumbai, India in 2008, Thanksgiving Day here in the States, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. I'd love for you to go into some details of that because I, I don't know that my whole audience um, is familiar, and it, it's a very powerful story, but also something that um, I'm interested to hear more details on how you overcome something like that trauma. Absolutely. So I had this dream to go to India and visit all these ashrams. And I had an opportunity finally with a meditation group I'd been a part of by that time for 23 years. Mm -hmm. And so we were, uh, it was a three week type of excursion. And we did a lot of meditating and going to different uh, facilities uh, you know, um, that were involved in India's many temples. There's a, there's a temple in every corner, yeah. <laughs> basically. Like when you're in Ireland, there's a, there's a pub in every corner. That's, that's <laughs> kind of the way it was. And there are elephants in the street and everybody does revere them. But the day that uh, we're speaking of, we had gone to visit several ashrams and there was one with Brahmin priests. And I remember my body actually reverberating to the sounds of their chanting. And so we were all pretty high on we were high on meditation yeah and we got back to the hotel quite late actually and uh, had planned to go eat outside the hotel we've been eating almost every night in the hotel a really nice restaurant that was open to the lobby but we were going to go eat Italian we'd heard about this restaurant outside and what happened was is when we walked in uh the servers were so used to us that they had already set a table for us so we thought you know it is late maybe we'll do italian tomorrow and i ran up and wrapped my head and i had my house slippers and just my key because by this time everybody knew who we were i didn't need my uh i didn't need my id with me and so we're we're in the restaurant we order we're talking about everything that we uh, had experienced through that day and then we heard some popping noises that sounded like a like uh, firecracker, you know, pop, 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 pop. And so my friend um, says, you know, I think I'm going to go see what that's about. So he gets up and leaves and he comes back shortly afterwards and says, uh, so the staff says it's a bunch of hooligans for us not to worry about it. So we sit down, we go back to, you know, talking about our day and uh, the food arrives. And then I guess I could have counted to 10. And that's when 
the the popping was really loud and it was obvious that it wasn't firecrackers at this time and um two boys they looked like children just strapped an arsenal just came in firing and mowing people down and my thought was okay this is a hit they're looking for somebody in particular if we get out of the way we're going to be fine so uh I said to our group, everybody get under the table now. We got under the table, there were six of us. <clears throat> and as it turns out, they weren't, it wasn't a hit. They were, they were after everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, with uh, an AK-47, AK-56 of the guns that they had, it's, the rounds is like 200 bullets a minute. So this was like spraying bullets. And um, two of the people under our table actually did get killed. And, um, and I got shot in my arm and my leg. Um, the only people that survived in this room, and this is open to the lobby, so we're talking about the staff, there was a wedding party that uh, they were all killed, um, but the only four people that survived are the people that were under our table. And then uh, we heard someone calling out from the kitchen from a door that I'd never seen before, and he just said, if you want to survive, you better come now. And so that's when I realized I, I can't move. So I threw my arms, well, this I was shot here, so I threw this arm up, but he comes running out. I just said, drag me. And like an angel, he runs out, grabs me by the wrists, and starts pulling me over, you know, through the floor. My POV is down here, and I can see the carnage. And he's literally pulling me over bodies and whatnot and into the kitchen. The ruckus caused some attention, so the one of the terrorists came running towards us. I didn't see it, but you could hear the gunfire getting closer. Um, they barricaded the door. And we thought we were okay. You know, we thought well, they would just give up on us, but then a grenade comes through the service window mm -hmm. and lands, I don't know, maybe, I'm trying to look at it, maybe three feet from my face. And it looks like a little miniature Coke can and it's moving like this. And uh, I just said, everybody, you need to go now. And they picked me up and uh, one of the servers, there was like four of them in the, in the kitchen, basically threw his body up against the door because the door was locked. The manager with the keys had been shot and was out in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. But he managed the door open. It sounded like he broke his body doing it. You could hear cracks and, and whatnot. And they got us outside. And that's when I realized, wow, this is all of India. This is not just, not India, but all of Mumbai. It's not just this restaurant. They're, they're out to, to get everybody. Mm -hmm. and, that later from the FBI when I was interviewed that that little coke can should have exploded on impact but it was obviously a dud so mm -hmm. um I'm not even sure why I'm still here mm -hmm. it doesn't even make sense I did go in and out of my body several times mm -hmm. and um and then the end result was I, I managed to survive it so I mean it was touch and go we really didn't know what was gonna take place that's 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 the story in a nutshell with a little detail that yeah a lot of people don't know thank you so much for sharing that i hadn't heard it in that detail either and gosh so many questions are going through my mind that maybe had gone through your mind and i also was having like a very um empathic re reaction to your story yeah. where like that full body chill and that fear yeah. Sure. Uh, for your life and, and of, of the unknown. But I think that maybe I can only hypothesize, but a question that might have gone through my mind that maybe went through your mind is, 
why did I survive this? How did I survive mm. this? And what, what comes oh, up for you? That's interesting. Cause you know, the, the first thing that I really thought before I was even drugged out. Oh, I apologize. That's okay. Can you hear that? Yeah. You can cut that out, right? I'll cut that out. Okay. <laughs> Just start over on your answer. All right. So it's, it's funny that you should, should ask that question. Cause I do recall distinctly when I was laying there and, and, I'm hearing all the gunfire and I'm thinking, this is it. I'm not getting out of here. And my thought was the only two people that aren't going to understand are my mother and my husband at the time I was married. Mm -hmm. And then when I did manage to get out and this went on for, for several days. So when I finally got to the, to the hospital and was settled in, and this is before the surgery, I thought, why am I here? This doesn't make any sense. And then my mentor, who was, had been one of my uh, teachers, he was killed next to me. And so was his 13-year-old daughter. I suddenly saw him standing in the room. And I thought, is he, is he lost? What's going on? You know? And I thought, maybe he needs to, I need to tell him to go to the light. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment, I thought, well, how come him and not me? Mm-hmm. How come his daughter that's just starting out in love, life and not me? Mm-hmm. And yet I wasn't certain if I was going to survive it anyway. I was very weak. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, I'm certain that there was a lot of shock there, but there was also this sense of being able to cross a string if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Everything was so subtle. I could actually see the vibration of everything in the room much clearer than I ever had before because nothing yeah. really is solid. It's, when you're it's thing, you know? like I'm imagining like the what people often call is like the veil like the veil being like literally so thin that you see both sides and maybe it's even confusing what's real you mentioned you kind of were in and out throughout that process and I'm fascinated to hear what that experience was like for you Uh, well here's here's something I didn't put in my book um I wasn't certain how it would be received at the time so I battled back and forth and ended up not putting it in. But when the FBI came to um, have an interview with me to see if I could ID and all of this, and, and nine of the 10 terrorists uh, took their own lives. Mm. So basically they you know, cyanide pills and they managed to capture one. But I didn't see them running in. I ID'd them from floating above my body. Wow. And I remembered looking down and going, boy, this does not look good. I don't think I want to go back there. because. <laughs> It looked, I mean, it was a massacre. They called it the Mumbai massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would get back in the body and then I would float back out again. And I thought, am I having a hard time staying in my body or am I dying? Mm-hmm. It happened in the hospital several times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I dare say um, that this actually afforded me a talent and ability that I have now still today. Yeah. A lot of clients I work on as a holistic therapist by remote. Mm-hmm. Some of my clientele I have never personally met. Mm-hmm. I might have a Skype conversation with them and then I work on them when they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they see me floating around. So yeah, <laughs> it's a very thin veil. I don't think people quite realize how close we are. I mean, it's happening simultaneously is mm-hmm. how it feels. So it's, uh, yeah, it's like a veil or crossing a string. Mm-hmm. It just seems so easy. I, I, I know that I had a choice. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to go, I could have checked out. Um, but there was something innately within me that said, no, there's more to this than even you can imagine. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you mentioned uh, trauma resiliency and, you know, I, I think we are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for as human beings and what we're capable of overcoming and also changing the, the script a little bit of the story. And I'm curious then how after your physical body started to heal after the being shot twice, like what next? Like, where do you go from there? You're like, okay, I'm going to survive. I'm going to, I'm going to live. What, but can I walk? And now what, what goes through your mind? It's interesting. I really had thought I was going to go home and go right back to work Mm. once, once they repatriated me back into the States. But what we discovered shortly after I got home, the the doctors in India, I guess they didn't have very strong x-ray machines. They said that this this bullet had just chipped the femur and, you know, and so they were already doing physical therapy and tried and getting me to walk and I and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And, and I can remember my ex now saying, you know, why aren't you walking? What's wrong with you? And I said, I can't feel it. So when we got back and got x-rayed and I went to, to an orthopedic, he said, your leg shattered. That bullet didn't chip the bone. It nicked it. I mean, it didn't just nick it. It it went through and it shattered all the way up from my, to my hip bone, all the way down to my knee. Mm-hmm. He said, and so I flew back with two ACE bandages because the doctors didn't know that the leg was wow. broken and uh, yeah, some kind of pain I'll tell you. Yeah. And, um, and so when I found that out, that's what led up to that long process of 25 months of rehab and being in a wheelchair and having to learn how to walk and having another surgery. And it just was, Mm-hmm. a long process. And in the middle of all that, I'm having a divorce and trying to figure out how to, not to lose my house. And so I like to say, even though, you know, you, you do discover who you truly be in a situation yeah. like that. Um, but for me, I, I didn't feel like I had, a, I had a choice. I just had to go for it. Mm-hmm. And every day, you know, you know, I would wake up, okay, so who am I today? And what glorious and grand adventure am I going to create? You know, what am I going to do here? All my life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. It was like, I had all these things to keep me motivated. Yeah. Um, and you now, know, you do the best you can. Were you always so kind of trusting of the process and optimistic and, and also connected to, to spirit before this event? Or did that really, is that what cracked you open to this? God, that's a very good question. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother and great grandmother were both mediums. Ah, one used to do automatic writing for the Pope. There are papers or scrolls at the Vatican. And my mother has this talent and ability as well. So she said that her grandmother, my great grandmother had told her that she was going to have a prophetic child and gave her instructions of how to deal with that. Once I started evolving or knowing, and my first knowing was really in my early twenties when I started hearing voices very clearly. Yeah. And I called my mother and said, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm schizophrenic or something's going on, or I, I don't know what's going on hearing these voices. And that's when she came and she brought uh, this journal, a couple of journals actually, and they were all written in Italian because that's actually my lineage. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, we'd come from a long line of gifted women, healers. And she started reading in this book and the names of the people that I had told her were talking um, were in this book. So I'd, evidently they were my imaginary friends or something when I was a child. I don't remember it. Yeah. You know, you get that kind of beat out of you as a child. If you don't have you the do. required to, to, you know, um, create something with it. So when she made me know that I wasn't crazy at first, I couldn't even tell anybody. So yeah, I had some talents and abilities before, mm-hmm. um, 
the experience of popping out of my body uh, afforded me more. And it's, it's a weird thing to say, but sometimes I really feel like the terrorists did me a favor. Mm-hmm. It got me out of a bad marriage. Um, I'm able to do um, things I could never do before in my practice. I had my practice before, mm-hmm. um, but it certainly did ramp things <laughs> up for me. And I don't have a fear of death really anymore. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't think you really die. I think you just leave the body behind. Mm-hmm. And then you can, then you have a choice to either create another one or perhaps you can be a guide for somebody else. There's mm-hmm. so many infinite possibilities. And now that I, now that I can hear entities or, you know, beings without bodies, there's a lot I'm learning about all of that. It's like a whole nother world that, that we haven't even touched on. In yeah. This reality, you know? Yeah. And it's hard for so many people to grasp because it is beyond what, most of our human eyes can see. And so there's that belief issue, but um, most of the people listening to this podcast are intuitive and they might, they might hear, they might see, they might feel, but they use their clear senses to tap into, into energy, just energy as a whole. And so um, I love that we have a lot of Claire's out there. Hello, Claire's. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you. Right. Because it's like, um, I think that like, for example, some people are ready to receive it maybe through a feeling, but not quite ready to receive it through a hearing or a voice yet. And so it can come through in different ways that maybe we're most open to receive. Mm -hmm. That's a true story. So, so a lot of the women listening have also experienced their own trauma and many of them it's, is through health issues, through bad experiences with conventional medicine through Mm -hmm. chronic illness that has debilitated them in some way. Um, I personally have struggled with multiple autoimmune diseases and also the loss of my brother to suicide. And I think that we all have this really powerful choice that we get to make in those moments that are the most earth shattering for us in our life that are we're, we're at this, we, we, it's like, you literally come to the edge and it's like, now what do you choose? Do you choose to become a victim to this and to hold anger and resentment forever? Or do you choose to use this as an opportunity for growth and to see it in a different life? And like the title of your book to choose happiness. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that choice and the choices you've made with the traumas in your life, but also how can everyone else do that? Right. It sounds easier uh, than, than it is when yeah. you put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, choosing happiness is a choice. So is choosing sadness for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been kind of a glass half full person anyway. I didn't know that growing up in the family that I was in, I thought everybody's family had this iron fisted father and you know that religion was like the most important thing. And and I had a hard time with church just because all the, these entities, you know, saints or whatever you want to call them, would be talking to me. Um, but it's, I'm trying to see how I want to reframe this. Hold on one second. Where do I want to go with that? Hmm. Choosing your happiness, even in the darkest of times. Well, it's like this. I get that there are people out there that actually have real concerns. I have a family member that's bipolar. And sometimes I can see the struggle of her choosing happiness. But do you know that even when you smile, the endorphins are actually can counter those things 
in your body, but you really do have to choose it. So I don't want anyone to think that maybe they shouldn't go out and find help, even if it's holistically. Yeah. But really, truly, that's also a choice to your well-being, mm-hmm. right? So in my book, what I have, this is what, this is what prompted it. Um, the 10-year anniversary was coming. I get interviewed a lot. I was doing, I had two other books prior to this one, one about the events. Uh, from victim to victory is the tagline on that one, Soul Survivor. Mm-hmm. And people would always ask me, how can you be so positive? How can you be so happy? And I realized, you know, I was choosing it. And I had these very pragmatic tools that weren't initially mine. They're from a, a movement I'm involved with called Access Consciousness. And so I was always sharing these tools with my clients. And I thought, I need an Access Consciousness 101 book on, you know, how to navigate your life pragmatically. These tools are not woo-woo. They're actually very pragmatic and they can lead you on the course of being happy. So the best way for me to answer that question is, is, you know, read this book Mm -hmm. for me to say. And these tools, if you start using them, you will see that your life will literally start changing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's amazing what, what can happen if you, if you apply yourself and you choose it. So it's really just about, you know, taking the first steps and making it a habit. Mm-hmm. And, and you'd be amazed at how much your life will change. And mm-hmm. I've seen it many times, many times. Well, you know, it's really powerful to hear what you said before around these terrorists almost doing you a favor in your life. And I don't think that, no one could see the expression you just made on your face, but like, I didn't mean it in a way that's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. But that's a powerful thing to, to say. It's like, we can choose. I think that probably the people listening could easily go, why doesn't she hate them? Why doesn't she have resentment for them? And instead, like you did choose to take this thing that in the moment you didn't have control over and go, okay, I'm going to reclaim my power over the situation and see it as a learning opportunity that allows me to grow in my life. And mm-hmm. so, so how does, how does gratitude play into this? Well, I'm definitely grateful for just to be here. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for my very breath. I'm grateful that my heart beats without me asking it to. <laughs> I'm grateful for a lot of things. Here's the thing, these boys were brainwashed. This was uh, Osama bin Laden's work, actually. Okay. And they were all doing this for their families. They knew they were gonna die. Mm-hmm. They planned on taking their own lives. And they were each getting somewhere, I think around, it was like 500 US to give to their families in Pakistan. And that's a lot of money mm-hmm. for these families. A lot of them, these families, you know, two or three generations are living in one room, probably the size of your bedroom. So I forgave them immediately because I knew it wasn't, them. Um, I didn't have any rem- anger. I mean, for me, if somebody, I don't know what the right word is to use, if some, someone trespasses you that's, that you know, that's personal. This wasn't a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I could say I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but I also believe um, in co-creation. And on some level, I had some really big asks, and I wasn't going to be able to get to those asks if I didn't kind of walk through the fire, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'd consciously known that was going to happen, I mean, let's picture it this way. So I'm, I'm having a cup of tea with God and she says, you know, you're, you could really impact the world. You could really change the world, but first you got to go to India and you got to get shot by terrorists. You won't be able to walk for over two years and your husband's going to leave you uh, 
for another woman and you're gonna have to close your business and all this stuff's gonna happen. But, but oh my goodness, when you get to the other side of it, it's gonna be great. You're gonna touch people's lives. You're gonna be a big inspiration. And I'd be like, well, gee, God, that sounds great. Um, do you have a plan B? Because I, I don't think I can go through that. <laughs> yeah. You, you do kind of co-create it, but if you had to consciously choose it, would you choose it? Right. You know? Different um, story. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I couldn't really think in, in, in terms of uh, anger or, in fact, I got to be honest with you, the Indian people, the doctors, they were kind of upset with me that I had forgiven the Pakistani because I was doing several interviews and they just didn't get it. They're like, this was, but then again, they were being attacked and it wasn't. Yeah. Things. So when I say they did me a favor, it's, here's the deal. I really thought I'm, I'm doing these tools. I'm an authentic being. I am a glass half full person. But when you go through a beyond like that, it's like something you can't really get beyond. And then you decide I'm going to choose getting beyond it. Mm -hmm. You realize what's really important mm -hmm. and your whole perspective changes. Yeah. But if I'm still here, I want to be an inspiration for people. Uh, you know, part of the solution. Mm -hmm. this, this reality really requires it, especially now. Mm -hmm. If there's anything I can do to give people hope, I mean, everybody has a valid reason uh, to get down sometimes. And, and um, especially, you know, with different illnesses and you don't understand how this could be happening to you. And again, I believe in co-creation. So sometimes if we can look at a problem as a gift in our hands, that we literally create this problem so we can show ourselves just how potent and powerful we be. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to share that with others that don't even know there's a possibility to get out of it. If I can touch one person, then I have a reason to still be here, you know? Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. So in the book, Choosing Happiness, what are some of your favorite parts that you'd like to share with, with the listeners that, that yeah, I, inspired you or that you were most excited to share, maybe most scared to put in the book too? Oh, hmm, that's interesting. I teach a lot of classes. And so I use these stories of my life, mm -hmm. not as something that I, I sit there and align and agree with and make myself a victim of, but mm -hmm. just to be examples. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm telling the story, but I'm not really buying the story that I'm that person anymore. When I talk about India, in my experience, I feel like I'm talking about a Netflix movie. Yeah. I have moved beyond it. But I know that sharing that story doesn't necessarily identify me as the poster child for the woman that survived a terrorist attack in India, but it does show people that, hey, if I can get through this, uh, you've got just as much of a chance. Yeah. Well, it's a great it learning opportunity for right. people. It's an inspiring moment for people. But I get what you're saying because I've retold the story of losing my brother many times on interviews that, that I've been on and to my community but it's not in a way that is so sad this happened to me and victim of it, but instead this taught me so much and I want to show all of you how much you can gain from even the darkest moments in your life. Bingo. Yeah. So there's no stories that I'm really terribly embarrassed about. 
I mean, I, I start out in the book basically saying that I was my first day of college. I got, I got so wasted that I missed my class. <laughs> I, I didn't know that you couldn't mix alcohol. My parents always had wine on the table. And, you know, and I always, even as, a, even as a small child, I hope I don't get my mother in trouble. Sorry, Celeste. You know, <laughs> if there was a celebration. We got like a thimble full at the bottom of the glass because you salute that, you know. That it's a very different world in Italy than it is here, I suppose. So what had happened was is I had too much to drink, missed my first class had to take, had to find a class to, to insert, and it ended up being a religious studies course, which was the beginning. I mean, this is how perfect the universe is. Puts me in a class with a teacher that leads us in a guided meditation. I take every class in religious studies, because now I'm fascinated, because I had a transcendental experience from it, um, and became a religious studies minor. So it's like, sometimes the craziest stuff happens, Mm -hmm. actually um, a gift like me saying that you know that the terrorists did me a favor that sounds crazy yeah but the, what came afterwards is is quite phenomenal at least in my practice um, there are quite a few tools in there that I really love um, <laughs> and because of your audience I'm going to choose this one okay. so and it's actually the very first one so would an infinite being truly choose this so if you all out there believe you're an infinite being mm -hmm. An infinite being would choose, I don't know, uh, dating an abusive person for what reason? You know, is it really a lesson that has to be learned? You know, is it so? I like that one a lot. It's like when you're going to be making a decision, you know, okay, would an infinite being truly choose this? Mm. And then maybe take it a step further and go, well, if I choose this, what will my life be like in five years? And you follow the energy of that. It was like this little book. I was going, what can I contribute? It's been 10 years. I don't feel like I've actually other than my private practice, been able to, to, to share as much as I feel I could. Mm -hmm. And this little yellow book wrote itself in one week's time. Yeah. I basically just sat down and because I already knew these tools, I already knew my life. And I would just sit there and uh, gazing out the window, which is what I'm doing now, watching the leaves dance in nature. And I would shut off all social media. And, and I just for a whole week, mm -hmm brought this book into life, birthed this book. And now it's doing its own thing. It's like, like I mentioned to you earlier when we were talking, it's like I'm chasing a toddler. Mm -hmm. And now it's getting translated into Spanish. It's getting translated in Portuguese. I'm going to be going to both countries to teach the 10 Keys to Total Freedom mm -hmm. uh, book club and a couple of other classes that I teach. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, those tools are pretty amazing. But that one I really like. It's, it's, it's kind of like um, if... If you're going to make choices in life, where are you going to make them from? And if you truly believe you're an infinite being and you step into those shoes, those infinite shoes, mm -hmm. infinite means really big. It mm -hmm. means everything, right? Yeah. Would you choose this? And if you did, for, for what reason? Is it going to actually serve you or serve your community? Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's so, one of my favorites. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with, with all of us. Something that my audience probably also doesn't know about you is that you also ran the Boston Marathon. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot I did that that one time. Oh, it was so amazing. I mean, I had only been released by my doctor uh, December, I think, uh, into December, uh, right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I ran it the following, what was it, March? Mm. So I shouldn't have been able to run it at all. 
Yeah. It was my 10th marathon, my bucket list, and I was training for it. Uh, actually, I was training for it when I was in India. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was on a treadmill looking out at the same water the terrorists came in on. You know, mm-hmm. fishing, but they killed the, the fisherman and then took his boat to get from Pakistan to, to Mumbai. Okay. And I probably was looking out over the water around the same time they were coming in. There were all these people doing Tai Chi and stuff. It was pretty fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, what happened was, is after I got done, I told my trainer, I want to run this race. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can do a bid plea because I'm not going to be able to run it fast. Mm-hmm. So he trained me and I put a bid plea on YouTube and Adidas saw it and it gave me a hard luck, luck pass to run it. And I ran it in five hours. It was like my worst time ever. But when I crossed that finish line, I thought I'd be bawling, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to be crying. I was laughing so hard. I was so happy. Wow. But I did it. Cause it wasn't yeah, How did that feel to, I mean, it's another story of overcoming odds and saying, well, you know, this is the way that I could look at something. I'll never run again, or I'll never run as fast as I want again, or I'll never run another marathon or what I was going through your head. And mm-hmm. instead going, well, what if I challenged that belief, that story? And I decided to write myself a new story. Well, you nailed it. The, the, the doctors were telling me I would never walk unassisted again, mm-hmm. which means I would need a cane or something. Mm-hmm. And I just, I know that you can, and this is important. I know that you can heal anything in the body if you choose to. I know that you can heal anything in the body if you choose to and I've seen it many times things that doctors said there's no way uh my doctor thinks I'm a walking talking miracle and you know he's right (laughs) I am a walking talking miracle and I chose that Mm -hmm. and if you choose it you can create it Mm -hmm. you know it's really that simple it's like choosing happiness if you choose it it will happen Mm -hmm. so what is one of the most important things you would say to someone listening about choosing happiness who feels like who feels like they don't have a choice who feels like or maybe so when i think of that i think well maybe the choices that you chose not like the opposite of happiness right but it's like what what would you tell that person who's who's like well maybe i do want to choose happiness but where do i start where do i begin like what is that what does that look like? You know, is it, is it waking up every day and just being grateful for one thing? Is it looking back on things that have been bad and deciding to reframe them in your mind? What does it look like for you? For me? I mean, everything you're saying is just beautiful. Oh, thank you. I I appreciate. And I would say all those things also. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that's, that pops for me the most when you ask that question is gratitude. Mm -hmm. I was so like I said earlier, I was so grateful for my very breath. Mm-hmm. I was so grateful for every morning mm-hmm. when the sun would come up. You know, the day the sun doesn't come up, we're really in big trouble. It could always be even worse. I mean, before my marriage blew up, it wasn't a great marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at, at one point prior to all this trying to find my way out of it. I was scared to leave the marriage. It was, mm-hmm. I had married someone very similar to my father, you know, mm. a psychopathic uh, personality that I didn't realize wasn't normal. Yeah. You know, it took me journeying after India to discover that, which is so funny because here I thought I had it all figured out, you know, <laughs> I'm this holistic therapist. I've got this, this great clinic that, you know, yeah. in Nashville where most people are not familiar with these kinds of things and it's doing well. And then this happens. Mm-hmm. You know? So 
Mm. I get it when you're, when you feel like you can't climb out of a hole. Mm -hmm. So if you can find one thing to be grateful for, Mm -hmm. and maybe the next day you look for two things. I remember hearing Oprah say that she had a gratitude uh, journal Mm -hmm. and every day she would write one thing that she was grateful for. And the big thing is acknowledging yourself and being grateful for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have a tendency to judge ourselves more than anyone else ever judges us. Even if someone else is throwing darts at you, yeah. telling you you're, you're not smart enough or you know, you're uh, not pretty enough or whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll give you an example. My father literally said to me when I was a young teenager, you know, you're pretty, but you're not very smart. You better marry uh, young because when you get older, you're not going to find. You know, I thought, what? And I didn't get married till two weeks before I turned 40. So mm. There you go. But um, I ended up, you know, doing quite well in school and even going from there to the National Institute of Health in Boulder, Colorado on a scholarship mm-hmm. to do some of you know, the work that I do. So um, it's little increments. Again, you have to choose it. But for me, gratitude is the biggest thing and being grateful for myself, you know, honoring yourself, mm-hmm. loving yourself, mm-hmm. treating yourself the way you want others to treat you. Mm-hmm. I know it's funny. We so say we should treat others the way we treat ourselves. Well, sometimes we don't treat ourselves so well. Yeah, true. And I, I tell my body every day, and my cat, and in my car, and my car a lot. I really love my car. <laughs> I my car. Every time I see her, I say, "I love you, Bianchini." But uh, how much I appreciate me, how much I honor me, how much I love me, mm-hmm. and when I'm saying that, I'm, I'm talking to my body because I know that growing up younger. I thought I worked so hard because I thought, oh, I have to be perfect and I have to have the best grades and I have to look the best and I yeah. have to show up and I'm going to be early, as you know. <laughs> gonna, you know, it's all those things. And, mm-hmm. and can we actually acknowledge mm-hmm. the beings that we be and, and the um, contribution that we are to others? Yeah. Can we acknowledge that? Mm-hmm. When the universe hears you acknowledging it, it gives you more. Mm-hmm. You know, it falls all over itself to give you even more. And of course, you know, surrounding yourself with those people too that support and love you is is something I would highly recommend. Yeah. Grateful for them. Even if it's just one person. Like for me, my mom was my guiding light for a while there because there just wasn't anybody else available. My siblings are all over the planet. So Mm. she's three hours away, but you know, I could talk to her every day and and I love Facebook messaging now because you can do the video. And so yeah, it's easy. We'll talk to each other and, and I'll be moving her in with me uh, middle of next year. I'm going to be her caregiver. So I'm excited about that. We're best buddies. Amazing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you, you brought up um, perfection as well. And it's something that I had always struggled with. And I think a lot of people listening also really struggled with. And my question is, what is the relationship between perfection and, and happiness, because I think I used to prescribe to this belief that the closer to perfect I was, the happier I would be. And I've learned that that is not the case, but what is your experience? It can make you crazy trying to be perfect. Yeah. And what is perfection? I mean, everybody has, it's like the word love. Everybody has a different interpretation of what perfection is. Right. And yes, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. And 
I, I have ADHD and ADD and I, and I don't take anything for it. Mm -hmm. um, and if you open up any of my cabinets, all the soup cans are facing the way forward. <laughs> my closet, all the clothes are colored. I mean, people can't believe how freaking neat I am. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's, 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 it's a condition actually, but mm -hmm. I see it as a talent and ability. Mm -hmm. I see myself as an X-Men, you know? So I've got everything perfectly arranged and yep. notice I use the word perfectly, perfect mm -hmm. for me. Right. Right. It doesn't have to work for anyone else, but I agree with you. I used to be in that, that same belief. And I, and I just said a moment ago, you know, I had to have the best grades and I had my, I had to have my hair this way and blah, blah. I, even if I had to get up an hour earlier to do it. And then I realized, you know, what? I just enjoy being a girl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy nail polish. I don't necessarily have to have makeup on, but boy, I got to have my lipstick on. Cause <laughs> there's something about you know, and it, that works for me. So if, if you can be in a space of receiving what's perfect for you in your life, mm -hmm. then yeah, you're going to be happy. But if you're being what you consider this reality wants you to be as far as perfect and it's not authentically you, right? that's going to make you crazy. Yeah. It will make you crazy. Yeah. I don't recommend it. No, it's a constant, <laughs> uh, constant comparison and self-doubt and so many things. And that's what I learned in my journey was, oh, being, you know, quote, perfect or my, again, my definition of perfect is not what's going to make me happy, accepting myself and letting go of some, especially the, the materialistic surface level things. Like all of a sudden I let go of that and I was like, oh, I can breathe again. And now I can experience happiness and more like freedom in my life. So, yeah, I mean, what's that. going to turn you on is not going to turn somebody else on. I mean, I just finished telling you that I talked to my car. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just bought this new car and I, and it rides so well that I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. You <laughs> love I, your I car. <laughs> I have to hold around three or four massage tables sometimes, you know, <laughs> and she doesn't bounce around with it. It's like, I found the right, I mean, this car, I felt like it chose me, you know? <laughs> so it's about being grateful for the things that you're grateful for. And yeah. To you. Mm -hmm. To you. I mean, it's like I said before, I love being a girl. So I, I kind of like being a little girly with my clothes and da, da, da. that doesn't work for some people. Right. You know, I have workout clothes and I wear them to work out. And then I'm out in the world. And I see a lot of people wearing work, workout clothes. And I'm like, well, okay. I know they don't work out in them, but <laughs> one of you, they like to be comfortable. Yeah. And they would tell me being in high heels is not comfortable for them. And for me, I could run down the street. Thank God I have both legs. <laughs> yes. In my high heels. Yeah. Yeah. Is it even more grateful for your heels? <laughs> <laughs> not everybody wants to wear high heels. So mm -hmm. anyway, I don't know well, where with that one, but I just want to say thank you. It was very powerful and impactful for me to hear your story today. And really just to, to meet and be talking with someone who's overcome something so big uh, and really turn that around to help you grow and find even more happiness in your life than maybe before this all happened. So uh, I honor you and I thank you. And I just want to open it up to you one more time to see if there's anything else you feel like we left out today, as well as how the listeners can read your book and get to know you better. Ah. Well, thank you again for inviting me. This has been tremendous. And I just want to acknowledge you for creating this podcast so that others out there like us or, you know, that are going through their own struggle, um, have a, a, a platform, yeah. have a place to, to feel connected and know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I would want to share, and this leads into it, because you being you is really a gift 
to this planet. And what I would like for everyone to take away is, you know, being authentically you, whatever that is, make, make that your target. Mm-hmm. Here we try to be perfect or be what we think other people want us to be. And what if who we truly are is the gift is what other people really need to hear. And you're squandering it mm-hmm. by being something you think everybody wants you to be. Yeah. And trust me, who you are authentically, I know that I would rather people be authentic with me and not be what they think I want them to be. That doesn't even make sense when I, when I say it, it hurts my ears, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, trust that who you are authentically is actually what people want to receive. And those that don't, you know what? We don't have to align and agree with everybody on this planet. And we don't have to resist and react. Okay, it's just an interesting point of view. Everybody has a different point of view. But being you, that's the takeaway, I would say. Just trust that who you truly be is, uh, is the gift that the world's yeah. been waiting for. That's beautiful. Thank you. And where can everyone find you? Well, the book actually has its own website. <laughs> if you were to type in choosinghappiness.com, it actually will give you a link to get to my website. My website is just rudranidevi.com. Mm-hmm. Um, R-U-D-R-A-N-I-D-E-V-I.com. And on that site, you will find several other websites that I have. I have an aromatherapy company. Um, I'm, I sing in a band. I'm the number two funk artist in Nashville, mm-hmm. R&B. So there's that. And then there's a separate artist page. And there's, I mean, Facebook and, and all of that. So if awesome. you go there, you, you'll find everything. You are a multi-dimensional woman over there. <laughs> strange I find that if I don't do like 10 things at once (laughs) that I can't function on the planet if I do like one or two things I will kill those things because I'll be over like I'll be like a helicopter parent yeah yeah that's what's so great about this book I'm just chasing it wherever it wants to lead me and it's been delightful where I land and this has been amazing so wow I really enjoyed our conversation Thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate just all of your wisdom and your time. And thank you again. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. As always, I appreciate your time. And if you gained something from this episode, if it inspired you, motivated you, maybe challenged you in some way or to look at life through a slightly different lens, then I want to hear it. Please reach out to me on social media. I'm hanging out on my Instagram stories pretty much every day over at The Empowered Empath. And I always appreciate your honest review and feedback on iTunes. Thank you again so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.